Welcome to the Race with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Joel chapter 1. Joel chapter 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all you who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell it to your children, and let your children tell it to their children, and their children to the next generation. What the grasshoppers have left, the swarming locusts have eaten. What the swarming locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, the mature locusts have eaten. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you wine drinkers, because of the sweet wine that has been snatched from your mouth. A nation has come up into my land, powerful and without number. It has teeth like a lion and fangs like a lioness. It has devastated my vines and shredded my fig trees. It has completely stripped off their bark and thrown it aside, so that their branches are bare and white. Grieve like a virgin dressed in sackcloth, who grieves for the husband of her youth. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning, those who minister in the presence of the Lord. The fields are devastated. The soil mourns, the grain is devastated, the new wine has run dry, the olive oil runs out. Hang your heads, you farmers, wail, you vine growers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the grain harvest has died in the field. The vine has dried up, and the fig tree has withered, the pomegranate, the date palm, and the apple tree. All the trees in the countryside have dried up, and joy has dried up for all the people. Put on sackcloth, you priests, and lament. Wail, you who minister in front of the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God, because the grain offerings and drink offerings are being held back from the house of your God. Set aside a day of fasting. Call a solemn convocation. Summon the elders and everyone who lives in the land to come to the house of the Lord your God. Cry out to the Lord. How terrible that day will be. Yes, the day of the Lord is near. It will come, like destruction from the Almighty. Hasn't the food been cut off right before our eyes? Happiness and celebration are cut off from the house of our God. The planted seed is dried up under the clods of earth. The storehouses are in ruins. The granaries have been broken down because the grain has dried up. Listen to how the cattle bellow. The herds of cattle are milling around in confusion because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep are suffering punishment. To you, O Lord, I call, because fire has consumed the grazing land in the wilderness, and flames have burned up all the trees in the countryside. Even the animals in the countryside pant for you. The streams of water have dried up, and fire has consumed the grazing land in the wilderness. This is the word of our God. The book of the prophet Joel, we don't know much about Joel. Um, The word, the name Joel means, the Lord is God. We know that Joel was the son of Pethuel, and that's about it. We don't know anything more about Joel himself. As far as the setting and the date, um, Joel mentions Judah and Jerusalem. And from the nations mentioned that we see in chapter 3, and from the lack of the mention Syria, we presume that Joel was written between 835 and 800 BC, and the entire theme of the book is about the great coming day of the Lord, and we're going to get that day of the Lord, especially about midway through chapter 2, because everything leading up to the midpoint of chapter 2 is a call to repentance, and then everything after that is a call of rejoicing. 
And so what Joel does is he pulls from a very pertinent illustration, and whether this was a specific act of God, an act of judgment upon his people, or whether Joel is just using it as an illustration, but he's using the illustration of a plague of locusts, that there were wave upon wave of locusts, as we kind of had described for us in the earlier of um, of chapter 1, verse 4. What the grasshoppers have left, the swarming locusts have eaten what they left, the young locusts have eaten what the young locusts have left the mature locusts have eaten. And he uses that as an opportunity um, in four different ways to address the community and telling them to repent. Old men, uh, verses two through four. Um, Old men, hear this, you elders, listen, all who live in the land, um, repent. (laughs) And drinkers of wine, verses five through seven, wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you drinkers of wine, because this nation of locusts has invaded your land. Um, The tillers of soil, despair, you farmers, wail, you vine growers, grieve for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is destroyed. Then finally, verses 13 and 14, put on sackcloth, O priests, and mourn, all you who minister before the altar. And then what he does with this is he he calls the people to repentance and then uses this plague of locusts to describe the coming judgment of the day of the Lord. And he's like, basically, if you think this is bad, here, let me describe it for you. Let me describe how bad this plague of locusts is, but this is nothing compared to the great day of the Lord. Now, the prophet Joel, um, we don't know if God had given him any special insight as to the purpose of the plague of locusts. We don't know as to, you know, if if God had said that this was going to be coming if the people did not repent, or he, if he just sees the opportunity to say, well, let's use this as an illustration of the coming greater judgment, and let's use this as an a call to repentance right now. Um, kind of gets in the topic of what we call mysticism. We'll take just a couple of minutes to talk about that as we wrap up today. Mysticism is assigning meaning or deriving meaning where God has not spoken. So mysticism is assigning meaning where God has not spoken or deriving meaning from something where God has not spoken. And we fall into this fairly naturally um, and, and you hear it all the time. Well, you know, I was having a great day and then God sent us peeking through the clouds and that was God's way of telling me to cheer up. Or I was just driving home from work and then all of a sudden out my right hand window, I saw this beautiful rainbow that God had sent just for me. Or I was sitting there having my morning coffee and this one particular robin that always reminds me of my loved one that passed away. This robin just comes and sits outside my window and it's like it's looking at me right through the window. Um, we do this a, on a small level. We, this even happens on a greater level. Like um, I think it was Pat Robertson or, or someone like that. Um, one of those very famous kind of t- TV evangelists. <laughs> Although to call that person an evangelist it would be really a stretch because he didn't really preach the gospel of Jesus. Anyway, one of those TV personalities back in the early 2000s, um, talking about the approach of Katrina, Hurricane Katrina coming to the land and saying that this was God's specific judgment upon the, the nation of the United States for, you know, whatever particular sin he had in mind. Um, and even we do this, we do this in a backwards way when we apply what God says about Old Testament Israel, and we take that and, and apply it to our, our country today. 
um, you know, take some of those statements of God that if if the people would return to me, if the people would uh, repent and return to the Lord, then I would bless the land, then I would bless the crops, then all these things that God said he would do for Old Testament Israel. But we take those passages and we derive meaning where God has not spoken specifically to us, or we assign meaning to something that God has not spoken to. That is called mysticism. Mysticism is not simply the, uh, the, the man sitting on a yoga mat and waiting for some revelation from above. Mysticism is something that our sinful human hearts want to do every day as we try to, try to understand why things happen as they do and understand the meaning as we try to basically have some semblance of control over the events around us and have some semblance of insight as to why things happen the way they do or the way that they don't. The prophet Joel isn't engaging in mysticism. He is using this specific plague of locusts as an illustration of how we ought to repent before the coming day of the Lord. And that call to repentance is strong. In the statement, even to the priests in verse 13 and 14, the, um, the closeness of the day is put on sackcloth, grieve, mourn, and wail. The climactic call to repentance is really in verse, uh, verse 13 and 14. Set aside the day of fast and call a solemn convocation. Summon the elders and everyone who lives in the land to come to the house of the Lord your God. Cry out to the Lord. And that marks kind of the transition point as Joel turns his eyes from the plague of locusts to the reality of the coming day of the Lord, that coming day of the Lord of judgment. And that plague of locusts illustrates the judgment that God would bring on that day of the Lord. And Joel calls the people to repentance and to return to him today. And so what do we learn from this? Um, When we talk about mysticism, that's assigning meaning or deriving meaning where God has not spoken. But here, God's prophet uses a in an event in his day to call the people to repentance to portray for them the even greater judgment that God would bring on the day of his wrath. I guess the reminder for us is that there is a spiritual reality that we need to stay with, that even if even if we might be tempted to assign meaning or derive meaning from the events of our life or from the events that we see in the headlines in the news, we might be tempted to assign meaning or derive meaning, um, even going back to those Old Testament passages about the nation of Israel and assigning those to our country or deriving meaning from those for what our country should do as a course of action. But But that would be mysticism. That would be speaking where God has not spoken. But where has God spoken to each of us individually to repent, to grieve for the sin that we have done, for the guilt that each of us carries, and to wait for that day when God will, yes, come in judgment and come and set everything straight, to not set our hopes and our ideas on some immediate and Old Testament fulfillment in our day, um, to not set our hopes and ideas on, on deriving meaning or assigning meaning to the events that happen in our life, but rather attending clear, clear-mindedly attending to the Word of God and saying, what does God clearly say for us to do here? What does God say for us today? We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow as we get into Joel chapter 2. Tomorrow also happens to be Ash Wednesday, the day when, yes, Christians everywhere across the world take a, take a day to repent in dust and ashes and say, Yes, Lord, I am deserving of your judgment. I am not deserving of any good thing from your hand. And so it is good for us to consider the prophet Joel again and his call to repentance. 
Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raise with Jesus podcast. God bless your day.